for three days, and all the alleyways of the old town were crowded with fishermen. On the Tuesday, I started off with my rucksack, intending to follow the line of the cliff, but the easterly gale was too much for me, and I struck inland onto the moors. I walked the whole of the day, a good thirty-five miles, and towards dusk got a lift in a farmer's cart. He was going to Chedsum, and there I spent the night at the ship inn. A stone's throw from the Abbey Church. I felt disinclined for a long tramp on Wednesday, so I walked on into Rapmore in the morning, left my things with old Mr. Robinson at the Crown, borrowed a rod and tackle from him, and spent the afternoon fishing the Lansdale Beck. I found a splendid camping ground, but no barn or building, and saw the farmer. A church warden who readily gave permission for the setting up of our tents if we ever brought the boys that way. Wednesday night I spent at Rapmore. Thursday at Frankstone Edge, where I dined with the vicar, a college friend of Legs, and Friday at Gorton. The landlady of the inn at Gorton kept a green parrot in a cage in the parlour. It was remarkably tame, and though I am not usually fond of such birds, I remember spending quite a long time talking to it in the evening. I set out on the morning of Saturday, prepared for a long walk and a probable soaking. Not that the rain was falling, but there was a mist sweeping inland over the moors from the sea, which I was obliged to face, since my track lay eastwards. I followed up the road to the end of the dale and then took a rough path that skirted a plantation of firs past a disused quarry onto the moor. By noon, I was right on the top of the tableland. I ate my sandwiches in the shelter of a peat shooting butt while I tried to find my exact position on the map. It was not altogether easy, but I made a rough approximation and then looked to see which was the nearest village where I could find a lodging for the night. Chedsum, where I had slept on Tuesday, seemed to be the easiest of access, and though they had charged me just double of what was reasonable for supper and bed and breakfast, the fare was good and the house quiet, no small consideration for a Saturday night. It was after two when I left the shelter of the butt. I had at first some difficulty in finding my way. There were no landmarks on the moor to guide me. The flat expanse was only broken by mound after mound of unclothed shale, running in parallel lines from north to south, which marked the places where men had searched for ironstone many years before. Gradually, the mounds grew less and less frequent, and I was beginning to think that I had left them all behind when one, larger than the rest, loomed up out of the mist. Every man has experienced, at some period of his life, that strange intuition of danger, which compels us, if only it be strong enough, to alter some course of action, substituting for a reasonable motive the blind force of fear. I was walking straight towards the mound when I came to a standstill. Something seemed to repel me from the spot, while at the same time I became conscious of my intense isolation, alone on the moor. Miles away from any fellow creature, I stopped for half a minute, half in doubt as to whether to proceed. Then I told myself that fear is always strongest when in pursuit, and smiling at my folly, I went on. At the farther side of the mound was the body of a dead man. He was a foreigner, 
with dark skin and long, oily locks of hair. A scarlet handkerchief was tied loosely round his throat. There were earrings in his ears. He lay on his back, with his eyes wide open and glazed. My first feeling was one not of surprise or pity, but of intense, overpowering nausea. Then, with an effort, I pulled myself together and examined the body more closely. I could see at once that he had been dead several days. The hands were white and cold, and the limbs strangely limp. His clothes were little more than rags. The shirt was torn open and tattooed on the chest. Even in my horror, I could not help but marvel at the skill with which the thing was done. It was a great green parrot with wings outstretched. At first, I could see no sign of how the man had met his death. It was not until I turned the body over that I noticed an ugly wound at the back of the skull that might have